Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. This is going to be fun. I also want to challenge you uh, to commit to being here for the next four weeks. Uh, that's what this series is going to be, four weeks long. I want to encourage you to be here for it. Make the decision now to be here for the next, you, got, you already got one off, so be here for the next three weeks. Don't miss a week. Why? Because our relationships are so valuable. And the Bible tells us that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the things he wants to steal, kill, and destroy is our relationships. And so this sounds complicated series, we're going to make things not so complicated. We're going to talk through some practical things. Listen, if you're single in the room, this series is going to help you to maybe one day get married and be the kind of husband or wife that you need to be. If you're married, I'll speak on my own behalf, my marriage can get better as well. And so I think if you come, you commit to being here, I know your relationship will be strengthened, your marriage will be strengthened, and after this series, it'll be just an absolute blast. We're going to have a good time. Sounds good? Awesome. Let's pray. God, we come before you. We thank you, God, for tonight, we th- or today. We thank you, God, for, God, the opportunity we have to uh, meet in this place, God. We don't take it lightly, the freedoms, God, that have been given to us. We thank you, God, for your word. And as we read it, as we learn, God, from, uh, God, your your spirit-inspired text, God, I pray that you would open up our hearts, God, to see how you would want to shape and mold us into becoming and reaching our full potential. Father, I pray that my words, God, and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable to you. Father, would you give me strength? God, as I speak your word, Father, would, would it be, if it's not of you, God, let it fall short, God. But if it is of you, let, it, let your spirit work through it, God, to ignite a fire inside of the people underneath the sound of my voice. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, there's this cultural trend. I don't know if you know this. It's called the, this wanderlust culture. Are you aware this culture of wanderlust. And what that is, is this idea that the grass will be greener on the other side. And so our society as a whole, like this generation that we're all living in, uh, we kind of have the first chance that we can actually really do this effectively. Like we could say, you know what, today's the day I'm going to pack up and I'm going to Austin, Texas. I hear they've got live music. They've got more food trucks than Erie. The weather's a little bit better. And so I'm going to go to Austin, Texas. I'm going to find a job somewhere. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do whatever it may be, only to find out that once you get there, maybe the job that you got maybe wasn't what you wanted it to be. The relationships that you thought you might be able to build in those few years, you weren't actually able to build. And so then you're like, you know what? You know, it's not, it's Austin, you know, he sounds like a nice guy, but it's not the right city, you know, kind of thing. I'm going to pick up, I'm going to move, I'm going to go to L.A. And so you fly, you go to L.A., you go to this next place. And what this wanderlust society and culture that we're in, we kind of bounce around from place to place, seeking, searching, finding purpose, hopefully running from something. But eventually you get there and realize what you ran from actually came with you because you got it with you, right? And so you kind of bounce around. This looks like even maybe being here in Erie. You're staying here in Erie, and maybe you're like, you know, I'm going to stay here. I don't, I don't buy into that wanderlust idea, but we go from job to job to job to job to job, from relationship to relationship to relationship. And it's like as soon as the relationship doesn't make me feel good, stops tickling my feelings, I step out and I leave and I go to this other thing. The job wasn't as fulfilling as I thought it was, and so I leave, I pick up, and I get a new one. How many of you know the grass is not always greener on the other side? In this wanderlust society that we kind of live in as a culture really is inhabiting, it's affecting our relationships. 
Every relationship is affected by this because we think as soon as it doesn't make me feel right or do right, I can pick up, I can leave, and I can go do the next thing. And we really are, are the first generation to be able to like experiment with this in the way that we can. I mean, as soon as the United States got interconnected with planes, trains, and automobiles, like there was more advertising and marketing of like, hey, like our country is beautiful too, like come stay here. But really over this last generation, like we can get a plane ticket to LA or to wherever you really you want to go for like $100. And we're not checking bags because we all came to church last weekend. We heard that word from Pastor Colby. We are traveling light. Come on, somebody. What a word that was. And we're bringing like a, a, a one bag and like a, some almonds, you know, and we're like on our way, you know, trying to find purpose and meaning. And listen, I've traveled with Pastor Colby. I've had the privilege of doing that a couple of times and just kind of some different things with some of the organizations that we partner with. And he barely travels with that bag. Like it's like, he brings it, but I know it's like half full. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's absolutely amazing. But I'm honored uh, to, to be able to serve underneath his leadership and um, to be a pastor with him and alongside of him. And uh, he's, he is my pastor, but he's also one of my best friends. And, and I just appreciate him so much. And so what a word. If you missed it last week, if you're like, what is he talking about? You should just go back and listen to that one. I, I promise it will change you. But this wanderlust trend, this wanderlust society, this culture that we're in, as I said, it's affecting every single one of our relationships. And I'm not gonna stand here today and say, hey, if you're single and ready to mingle, you're single and satisfied wherever you fall in on the spectrum, if you've been married for five minutes, five hours, five days, five whatevers, 500 years, I don't know, that like I'm gonna be able to give it all. We're gonna look at the word of God and be strengthened and encouraged from it today through it. But I will say this, if you are single and ready to mingle and single, satisfied wherever you fall into that spectrum, I will not, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that I don't like dating. Actually, I like dating. I like the idea of it. I, I, I get the, the reason, the purpose behind it. So don't feel uh, any shame on anything that I'm going to share with you today. But I do say I think we need to actually date less than we do. Because at least from my personal experience, prior to me getting married some five and a half years ago and, and, and really meeting Kelsey again, if you will, um, if you know our story, then... Uh, Prior to that, every relationship that I was in, every relationship I dated, I thought like, okay, this one's going to be the one, right? And that one wasn't the one. And so then when I left that relationship, what did I bring with me to the next relationship? Shame, guilt, baggage, ache, heartache, wondering if I was loved, if I was worthy, if I was anything. And so I thought, you know what? In order for me to find that, I'm going to go date again. So then when I date more and more and more, and the next thing you know, I'm piling up baggage on what it is. So I'm not telling you I'm against dating. I just think we need to date less. Because I know from my story, if I would have dated less people through high school, through whatever, right? I mean, like middle school, it's really just kind of like, oh, they, we're not really dating, right? Like we went to the fountain together, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> but like, you, you get the point. If I would have dated less people, I know going into my relationship with Kelsey, I would have had less ache, heartache, shame, guilt, all those things. I would have felt more worthy than maybe I would have felt prior to. So I'm not against dating. I just think we need to rethink what that actually looks like. And again, I'm not shaming you because I was you. I've tried to go from place to place, from, from relationship to relationship, seeking and finding purpose. And guess what? I never found it until I found the relationship with Jesus. Listen, if we date with our bags packed, right? Like the, the wanderlust society that we live in is like you show up, you get there, but your bag's packed because you can go at any point in time. If we date with our bags packed, we will end up having a marriage that won't last. I can promise you that. 
Because we get into the relationship and we get into that place and next thing you know, we're kind of feeling like this tension of, oh, maybe this isn't the right, and then we, we leave. And so today I wanna, as we look at the Bible, we're gonna look at, if you flip and open up your Bibles to the Song of Songs or maybe the Song of Solomon, depending on the version of scripture that you have. If you have no idea where that is, flip to the very middle of your Bible, go a handful of pages over, you'll find the chapter. It's right after Ecclesiastes and before Isaiah. Or open up your table of contents and find it right then and there as well. But I'm gonna talk to you today and teach to you out of this idea of how do we find love in a wonderlust world? Finding love in a wonderlust world. And I'm gonna talk through a handful of principles that we can actually apply and abide to in our lives. And you should know that every principle that we have in our lives is meant to simplify the life and the decisions that we actually make. What do I mean by that? An example is if I'm hungry, the principle is go eat, right? If my car is empty on gas, right, or diesel or electric, if you plug your car in now, whatever it is, if your car is empty, you go to the gas station. You go to fill it up. If I'm tired, I go to sleep. These are simple things that are principles in our lives that are meant to simplify them. And I think we actually have some principles in dating that are meant to simplify the dating process. It's meant to simplify, what does this look like? How do I find love? We can look at some principles from God's word, not from Will's word, but from God's word that will actually help us in our relationships. Like just as much as you don't need to pray, like, do I go get gas, God? My car is on E. No, you just go and do it because you know the principle and the system of how your vehicle operates. We do the exact same thing with our lives and the principles that we can operate in within, within dating. I want to submit to you today that these principles, as we apply them to our lives, they're not from the world, as I mentioned, because right now we view our relationships through the lens of Hollywood. And that lens of Hollywood has the highest divorce rate. So how is that shaping what we think about relationships? And let me bring that even a little bit closer. Just a few days ago, I was looking at the vital statistics here in Erie, where this church is built at. The vital statistics showed that there were some like 20, 20 or 21, if I remember correctly, marriage licenses issued. That's awesome. But there was just as many divorces issued as well. That's a problem. We can't view divorce as something like this painless thing that we, we go through, because it's not. Every divorce, hear me out, is met with weeks, months, years of pain, of pressure, of heartache, of wondering if you feel worthy or, or, or loved. And we have to flip the script. We have to change something in how we view relationships if we're ever going to get, get better. We're gonna look at today in the Song of Solomon or Song of Songs of Solomon and a Shulamite woman. We're gonna look at a lover and the beloved. We're gonna look at a, a married couple who's looking back on their life and say, how did we get here? This great place that we're in, how did we get to this place. We're going to look at some qualities that they're pointing out, some things that we can glean from the text. So if you're with me, uh, verse 2, it says this. This is the word of God, people. Come on, I love it. It says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Come on. For your love is more delightful than wine. These four properties are four principles that I want to give you today. They start right here with the very first principle. If you're trying to find love in this wonderlust 
world. If you're trying to see what your relationships right now even look like, the very first thing you need to look for is character. You need to look at the character of the person that you are interested in. You need to look at the character of your spouse. If you're already married or you're already in some kind of relationship, you need to look at that. Watch what it says that reveals this this truth. In verse 3, it says, Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. Highlight, circle, underline, do something, write it on the side. Write, Write the word name. No wonder the young woman love you. Look at this. Your name is like what? It's like perfume poured out. Now, maybe depending on the version of of scripture that you're using, I'm reading out of the NIV, but depending on the version, it might say your name is like purified oil. Now, in this time and in this context, these things that we take so advantage of in our lives, like a bath, wasn't so easily to come by. And so what they would do is they would take this oil, they would take this kind of perfume, and it would go through this crazy purification process. And once you had that, you would take this oil and you just rub it all over your body, right? Because it smells good. And it's just like you feel better, feel more valuable in, in that place. And it kind of changes who you are. Your name is a good name, she's saying. Like it's, it's like that oil, that good thing that's cleansing you and, and cleaning you and making you pleasant. It's, it's good for you. Your name, it represents like this kind of godly character, this character of who you are. Because you have this godly reputation, I can see that there's a character within your name is good. Your name is good. So how do we know if somebody has like this good reputation, this good character? What does that look like practically to know if somebody's got a good character? If their name is like that oil, the very first thing I would encourage you to do is check their inner circle. Check their inner circle. If their inner circle is going out every Friday night and Saturday night, getting hammered until two o'clock in the morning, and if it's daylight savings time until three, right? Like whatever the time frame may be, if that's their inner circle, but then they tell you in person, I'm a good Christian guy, and I love the Lord with all his heart, like, like their actions are going to reflect the, the, the actions of those who they surround themselves the closest with, but it's also going to reflect their character. Listen, I can tell you all the things I want to tell you about who I am, but until you see that in me, then you can actually see what it actually is. I need you to look at their, their character. Look at those who are closest to them. Not their acquaintances, but those who are actually closest. Who's their best friend? And not that somebody's past can't like, uh, be changed in the name of Jesus. Don't get me wrong, but like, is their repentance louder than the things that they've done? Because if it's not, then they're still living in that place. And then their character is maybe not as strong as maybe you think that it actually is. What's another place you can look at? Look at how they treat their family. How do they treat their family? How do they treat those that like provided for them all those years? Or whoever that maybe that family person may be for them. How do they treat the server at the restaurant you're going to go to lunch in today? Oh, the burger came back wrong and did they just go ballistic on the person? Or they're like, hey, you know what? It's no problem. I can, you know, they change, you know, calm demeanor? What does their character look like? And you can see things in their actions and who they spend their, their time with. How do they love? How do they love others? You can look at, at their character. And again, it doesn't mean you're not going to have friends who are going to go out to the bar on Friday night or Saturday night and do all those types of things. But it means that if my association is deeply rooted in them, then so is my character. It's all in the same place. The Proverbs 12, 4 tells us this, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown. 
But a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. What does decay do? It begins to rot and ruin the foundation. But a wife of noble character is the husband's crown. So as we trace this progression in this story, they meet, they realize that like, man, this, he's got a great character, a great reputation. He's like purified oil. Now, ladies, what did she not do? She didn't say, wow, you're amazing. Blah, vomit my whole entire life story. <laughs> Just saying. She didn't do that. She got to know him. She got to build this relationship. She got to see like, okay, you're care. I'm checking some things out and the things that are being checked out are, are seeming to actually check out. But she starts to then open up. We're gonna see about some of her insecurities. Now listen, you don't open up about an insecurity with somebody who you don't trust their character with, right? Because if you open up too soon, what happens? You get burned. Well, now that you realize that somebody's got a good character, the second value they need to write down to as you're looking for love in this wanderlust world is trust. You got good character, can I trust you with some things that are going on in my life? Married people, your wife maybe has good character, your husband's got good character, but can you trust them? Have you had those kinds of conversations? Say, you know what, hey, these are the insecurities that I'm feeling. And I trust you that you'll do the right thing with those insecurities. They're building this godly trust as they figure out each other's character. So she talks about one of her insecurities in verses five and six. It says, dark am I. Yet lovely, daughters of Jerusalem. Dark like the tents of Kedar, like the tents, curtains of Solomon. Don't stare at me because I'm dark, because I'm darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of my vineyards or of the vineyards, my own vineyard I had to neglect. Now, let's back this thing up a little bit. She's like, I'm dark. I'm dark like the tents and the, the, the curtains and those things were dark because the purpose of it was to absorb the heat so that way in the cool of the night it would keep the people a little bit warmer. But she's like, I'm dark like those tents. And those tents are, are, are dark. She's insecure. Like, what does she say there? She says, don't stare at me because I'm dark. Darkened by the sun. She's like, my mother, brothers, right? They, they made me take care of the vineyards. I had to work outside all day long. She says, and then she's like, my own vineyard I have neglected. Now, if you continue to read in this book, you'll see every time that she talks about her vineyard, she's actually talking about her body. And so she's revealing her insecurity about her physical appearance. She's like, I had to work out in the sun. I'm sunburned. My skin is not as cared as I would like it to be. Don't stare at me. I'm a little bit insecure of the way that I, I look. Now, this is different time, right? Because nowadays people pay a lot of money to look like a 40-year-old piece of luggage, right? That's like a little bit brown and leather. But that wasn't a, a status symbol back then. That was the truth of something that actually hurt them. Fellas, can I, look, can I talk to you really quick? Just the guys in the room, just the guys online. Every woman that you meet has a bit of insecurity about something in them. Every single one. And so we can learn from this text about what to do when we know that somebody has an insecurity about something. And a lot of times we try to cover up our insecurities and sometimes we can't. But a lot of times we, we do. But this man, he loves her through those insecurities. Let me bring it even a little bit closer to home. Kelsey, my wife, who's hosting our service today, she is an introvert, 
right? Super introverted. If you've met me for more than four seconds, you know I've been introverted since I was six months old. Like, it's this, this kind of, she has like this kind of insecurity sometimes about speaking in public. She just hosted our service today. She, she's in communities and sometimes I'm like, hey, you gotta meet this person and I pull her in and she's just like, oh, I don't know what to say. I don't feel like I have value and I don't know if I have a voice in this conversation. It's an insecurity that she has, but I can love her through it and I can say, hey, you know what? We're gonna stand side by side, fight by fight, loving you through those insecurities. We need to look for somebody who's got that good character. We need to look for somebody that we can trust and we can build upon, that we can share some things and not feel like we are gonna get burned. But we can share something real. The next thing that we need to do is we kind of follow this progression is we need to have some standards. God's standards, not worldly standards, not Hollywood standards, not days of our lives or whatever it may be kind of standard, the word of God standard. If you want to have a relationships that are different of the, than this world, how many of you know you have to do something that's different than this world? We have to change our standard. I mean, we have a 50% divorce rate. So whose are we going to go towards? We're going to go towards that kind of life or a life that has a standard of God's word. We're going to be different. She says this as she sets a standard in verse seven. She says this, tell me you whom I love, where you graze your flock and where you rest your sheep at midday. And then she asks this question, why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flocks of your friends? That might seem like an interesting question, but in this time, the, what, like, what she's talking about here, and this might be shocking, but it's, it's true, it's the word of God, is that women would often follow around men where their flocks were, where their sheep would, would graze. When it was convenient, they would then offer themselves up. So what she's saying is, why would I be like the prostitutes and the hookers? I want to be different. I don't, if you want that kind of relationship, it's not me. She's setting a standard to say, hey, you know what? I've got values that I believe are valuable and I'm gonna hold on to those truths. So here's my challenge to you today. If you're not married, you would set the standards right now. That you would say, you know what? There's some essentials that I believe in because of my faith that I'm gonna stand true and hold on to. Hey, if you're married, maybe you haven't had a standard conversation with your husband or your, your wife. Maybe today's the day you, you open up and say, what are some of the standards that we live by? in our relationship? What does that look like? What are our standards? And see if you're lined up and and, and begin to line yourself up. I want to give you three standards that actually all of us, no matter what walk of life that we're in, that these will, will speak to you and reveal to you. The very first standard that you should apply today will say this, that I will not sacrifice my relationship with God for you. I will not put God on the shelf so that we could be together. No, that's not gonna happen. If you're gonna pull me away from God, then I'm pulling away from you. Every relationship that we have either draws us closer to God or away from God. There's no in between. And so we can look at them all and say, which one is this actually going to be? What community am I going to be in that's going to allow me to grow closer to God? The second one that I can give you is this, is I'm not gonna compromise God's standards in, in regards to sex, in regards to purity. Listen, if you are not married, God's word tells us not to have sex outside of marriage. It was designed in the covenant of a relationship. So I don't care if everyone else is sleeping around. If you have a standard that says, I'm not going to live like the world, I'm going to live with the blessings that God has given me in the place and the time that he has given them to me in, then I'm going to operate underneath that standard. 
hey, married people, you know this just as much as I do. Just because maybe you, you struggle like with, with like lustful thoughts or, or maybe the things that you had that you were maybe not pure in your relationships prior to marriage, just because you got married, you got married it didn't take them away. I was talking to a friend. He's like, man, I just remember like I got married. I thought everything was going to be fine. I went to the gym. Those lustful thoughts start sticking out into my mind again. I start looking at people and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We need to have a standard within marriage and without marriage. By the way, the standard of purity is also within your marriage. Therefore, anything outside of it, how God has created it, is also incorrect as well. And the boundaries that God has given us are not to hold us back, but actually to enhance us for when it's the right time to experience the blessings that he's given us. You need to have a, a different kind of standard. Can I tell you something? Every time you cross a boundary, it's because you don't fear the person who holds that boundary. So when you cross the boundary of sex, guess what? You're saying, I don't fear you, God, in this, this area. Don't cross the boundary now. Hold on to that value. The third thing is this, and this one is my favorite. I will not play house. Set the standard now that you won't play house. Hey, everyone sleeps in the same bed. Everyone, we're going to have a sleepover at Netflix and does not matter, right? It might be more cost effective to live together. Hey, until you get a ring and you coming down that aisle, we ain't living together. I got a standard. Why? Because I'm not going to willingly put myself into temptation to where I fall in the second one I gave you and then the third one. So I'm not going to live in a place of temptation. No, I want to live in a place of, of freedom. And so we can set those standards. I want to encourage you, don't lower your standards based off of a relationship that you're in. Lengthen the patience that you'll take to grow closer to God. The fourth one that I want to give you today, as we see this progression of this character that was built, this trust that was built, the standards that were set, and they ultimately grew in encouragement. They grew in encouragement. It built one another up. And we're going to look at a few verses, but remember, like homegirl was insecure because her skin was darker. She's like, don't stare at me. But look what he says. This is amazing. In fact, guys, if you're single and satisfied or single, ready to mingle, like take a picture of the screen. This will be the pickup line that you can use at lunch today. It says this, Song of Songs, verse nine, I liken you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses. Who's taking a picture? No one? I don't know why. Maybe you're just like, I'm not going to be that guy, but I'm going to highlight it. He's like, you're a horse, babe. It's the word of God, people. But check this out. This verse is going to need a little explanation, of course. Pharaoh's horses, these mares, like they were, they were always white. And people believed like in this deity of the horses and they believed like there was something supernaturally different about them. And so what is he calling her? He's like, hey, by the way, the insecurity of that, that your skin is darkened, I don't see that. She, he's speaking, he's saying, I see something supernatural here. I see something, something different. And I know in my own life, every single time where I felt like, hey, don't look at me, Kelsey's always been the one who's just like, no, no, I see something different. When I don't feel like I, I'm enough, Kelsey's like, oh, no, I'm going to bring some hope into your life. I'm going to encourage you. She's going to speak some truth into my life. When I don't feel like maybe I'm doing the greatest job as a dad, she's like, hey, guess what? Ain't nobody changed a diaper like you. And I'm still not sure if that's a compliment or not, but I'm going to hold on to that. And she's like, you're a great dad. 
Like Nora's blessed to have you as a dad. Like we are blessed as a family that you value us and you hold us. Like there's this encouragement. And guess what? Every single time that encouragement happens, it strengthens me. And guess what? Every time that encouragement happens, guess what? Our, our trust is built to a new level. And the characters change. Our standards don't change, but our, our standards are strengthened. We know what's going on because of it. And you might be like one of those, like, you know what? Like, I felt some positive thoughts about him. I just didn't say it. Can I tell you right now? Change your mindset and say it. Well, it doesn't come natural to me to encourage somebody. Well, sweet. The things that become natural, the things that repeat over time. So make that natural. Speak words of life to the person that you're in a relationship with or your marriage or your husband, your wife, your best friend, whatever it may be. You can encourage them. And as they build each other up, check this out in verses 12 and 13. This is hot, hot, hot. It's spicy church tonight, today. It says, while the king was at his table, verse 12, my perfume spread its fragrance. Oh, come on. My beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. I thought I'd get a lot more amens, fellas. My lover to me is a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. Now, listen, I don't really know what a sachet of myrrh is, but you know that was a good day. But you think about this resting between my, like that's, that's an intimate, close space. That's close to her heart. She's like, I'm not, we're not friends from, like, no, we're, we're close. Like you are, you are this close to me. You, not everybody gets this. It's encouragement of like, you're not just somebody, you're my buddy. Like, like this, this is me. We're together. In this, in verse 15 and 16, the compliments, they keep going. It's like, how beautiful you are, my darling. Remember, she was insecure about what she looked like. She's like, don't look at me. And he's like, no, no, you're, you're beautiful. You're a babe. You're amazing. Like, how beautiful your eyes are, doves. And if he's talking about her eyes, what is he looking at? Her eyes. He's staring at her eyes. And if he's staring at her eyes, what does that mean? Not only does she have his attention, but she has his focus, which means there's no cell phone, which means there's no remote control, which means there's no whatever it may be. It's like, I'm, I'm on you. We're looking together at this. I'm, not, I'm, I'm present in this, this moment. And she's like, man, how handsome you are, my lover. What do we see? We see a life that's built on a godly characteristic characteristics of somebody who's got a good character, of reputation like that, that speaks louder maybe than their, their past. We see a foundation that's built within trust that, hey, I can reveal some of my insecurities, but guess what? You're going to love me through them. And I'm going to love you through your insecurities as well. And they've got different standards than everybody else. Because if, that was, if it wasn't the case, then she would be like, hey, I'm going to be like that veiled woman. And I'm going to come up all up in that. But no, no, I've got some standards. I'm going to change some things. That this relationship is going to be be different. I'm going to encourage you through those things. And you're, you're close to me. You are lovely. You are, you are beautiful. Listen, if we're going to have different relationships, we're going to have to do some different things. But we can stand on the one thing that lasts forever, which is the word of God. We can look at these characteristics. We can look at these values and we can apply every single one of them to our lives, no matter who you are in this room or online. Would you close with me in a word of prayer? God, we come before you. God, we thank you for your word. 
Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. God, we thank you that your word shapes us. It molds us, God. It encourages us. God, this relationship that we've even been been looking at and reading and these qualities, these characteristics, God, are it's our relationship with you as well. That you give us a character that we can obtain, not something that's so far-fetched, but we can actually live a life and a life to the fullest. You give us, God, trust that we can come to you with our insecurities. God, you, you've given us standards for us to live by, to live that life that reaches our full potential. God, you encourage us with our word and you encourage us with others. You've put into our life for these divine moments, God, to pick us up when we've fallen. And so, Father, we're grateful. And I just want to play, pray a blessing over every single person in this room and underneath the sound of my voice, Father, that the moments where we haven't felt like we are worthy, God, you've called us worth it. God, the moments where we've fallen short and we wonder if we're ever going to be good enough, God, you've called us up to a higher place and you've forgiven us, God, for those things. And so, Father, we are grateful. I pray for every relationship, God, in this room, those online, God, those that maybe walked in today struggling, God, would you strengthen them, God? Would you give them the confidence and the courage to keep coming back to, to be here, God? To God, to give you one more chance. Father, would you speak to us through our insecurities, God? Would you reveal to us maybe the things that we're holding onto, God, but to also let them go to trust in you, God, for what you will do with it. You are good, God. You're a magnificent, God. We trust in you. And in this moment of prayer, I know that as we've been speaking and talking, there have been some of you that you've lived this wanderlust kind of life and that's really been your story. Bouncing from place to place, from job to job, from relationship to relationship, looking for a purpose, looking for love, looking for something. And in our time together, you've realized the thing that you've been looking for, you found it and it wasn't in a building wasn't in a chair, but it was in the word of God, and it is God. The only one that can give us that true purpose, the only one that can give us that true happiness, that, that peace, that true patience, that self-control, the love of the Father. And in this time, in this relationship, you know that the one thing you need to get right today is entering into this kind of relationship with Jesus. To not maybe so much focus in on yourself, but to focus in on him, The Bible tells us that Jesus was the perfect son of God, that he came into this world not to condemn us, not to point a finger and say, you screwed up, no, but to offer forgiveness and to raise us up into new life. And as he died a criminal's death, as he shed blood for us, washed us free of our sins, so our past sins, our present sins, and our future sins are, are paid for. And what a shame it would be pay for something that's already been paid for. And the Bible tells us that as we call in the name of Jesus, if we confess him as Lord and Savior of our lives, that we will be set free, that we can have that eternal life. And the promises of God are, are for us and with us. So in this moment of prayer, I wanna pray for those of you that this morning, you wanna make that decision to say yes to Jesus. That the relationship that you need to get right today is the one that is with, with God and it's through Jesus. 
I want to pray for you specifically. Would you just be so bold this morning with every eyes closed, every head bowed and every eyes closed? Would you just raise your hand and say, hey, today's the day I want to say yes to Jesus. If there's a relationship that I need to get right, it's the relationship with him. Praise God for you. I see you in the middle. I see those of you in the back with your hands up. Three, four, five, six hands are up raised right now saying yes to Jesus, that today the relationship that I want is you. Praise God for you. You can say something as simple as this. Here's what you need to know, that God knows you. He knows your heart. And so just say yes to him. You can pray something as simple as this. God, we thank you for who you are. Jesus, today I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life. Jesus, I believe that you lived for me, you died for me, and you were resurrected to new life for me. Today, Jesus, I confess you as Lord and Savior, and I turn from my ways, and instead I turn and I choose to follow you. And it's with all that I am, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There'll be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.